You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Welcome, everyone, to a Code Red podcast uh, sponsored by Secure America Now. And today we have an extremely special guest. Our guest today is Luke Murphy, who served for seven years as a U.S. Army Staff Sergeant in the elite 101st Airborne Division. Luke, it's a great honor to have you here. Um, I just um, want to begin by asking you a question, and perhaps you can give us a bit of your life story in answer to this question. You have produced a widely read uh, memoir called Blasted by Adversity. Why did you choose that title, and can you just... um, Give us some background as to what's in this memoir. Wow, that's a great question, Alan. Uh, you know, I, I, read, I wrote the memoir, I think out of a little bit of, out of arrogance, I, I really thought that I'd come up with a solution to, uh, you know, to getting better uh, personally after such a horrific thing that happened in, uh, in Iraq. And, you know, I heard all about, or, you know, people saying that, you know, it's not what happens to you in life, it's what you do about it, you know, it's not if or when you get knocked down, it's, it's you know, how you get back up. And, you know, I heard a lot about adversity and how it uh, can positively affect people. And everybody goes through adversity in life. Nobody gets through this world, you know, untouched, unscathed. And I thought my adversity was obviously... Um, to do with that IED that blew my right leg off and blew the other one in half and caused me un- unbelievable pain and, um, you know, lifelong disability. So blasted by adversity um, is, is what I came up with. Uh, there's a little more to it, Alan, but I'd like to keep that personal. But there was basically a line that I heard, whether you were blessed with prosperity or blasted by adversity. And I heard that line, and it just really resonated with me, and it, uh, I definitely don't own it, but I, I took ownership in it, and um, it became the title of the book. Well, I think it uh, it certainly does create an image. Um, here you are, an individual who suffered grievous harm uh, in, in serving our country. And um, uh, an- another Floridian that I met two years ago had a similar military experience, and his name is Brian Mast. And I met Brian before he ran for Congress, and um, and it, it was just incredible. I met him, I met his family, and it was incredible how people like you are willing to serve their country, suffer because of it, but still not give up. I mean, there is a great quote about you that I saw that was written by or said by General Stan McChrystal. He said about you, don't look for tragedy, read Blasted by Adversity to experience combat, courage, camaraderie, pain, and recovery. 
And uh, tell me what encouraged you after what you went through to actually uh, pick up the ball and continue running down the field by making important contributions to our society? Well, Alan, when I was laying in that hospital bed, um, you know, for a year, uh, everything I couldn't do anymore in my life was very evident. And, of course, initially I went through this isn't fair. Uh, this was never supposed to be me. Um, in, in fact, I used to pinch myself in the middle of the night when I'd wake up, you know, um, high on morphines and Dilaudid and drugs. And I'd pinch myself, is, is this really true? Did this really happen? And, and then all the pain would come to me immediately. And so it was, it was pretty, pretty tough, you know, and I, I just would look up at the ceiling and say, how could this be part of your plan? Um, what, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I felt like I went from a hero to a zero, and um, it was just un- unbelievable. And, you know, lots of negativity, lots of negative, um, you know, news from the doctors, failed surgeries, just unbelievable pain all the time. And, um, you know, I just I started focusing on the things I could do, and they were very small at first. I, I can remember the first time I stood up. I was up for 10 seconds, and um, my my legs started um, leaking blood everywhere out of the 16 pin sites that was holding the one leg that had been blown in half together and the other leg had been blown off. And, I, you know, I remember I had to sit down and I realized how, how long this recovery was going to take. And I just started focusing on things that I could control, things that I could do, and not the things that I couldn't. And I felt like if I gave up, then the enemy would win. And I never ever would allow the enemy to win. And I wanted to be a pillar for, you know, the guys that liked me and loved me in the military and, and, you know, worked for me. And I wanted to be, you know, somebody they could look up to. And I just felt like I couldn't show any, uh, you know, any weakness. And I I could only go forward. I could only get better. And, I, you know, I just set my my mind to that and um, I just try to be positive. And, you know, I can't control all the negative and, and, you know, in the world and, I couldn't understand why people were protesting outside the gates at Walter Reed. You know, we've got thousands of men in here that were blown up and missing limbs and trying to get through it. And, you know, the White House was right down the road with George Bush in it. Why don't you go, why don't you go protest there? But, um, you know, I just chose to look past all the negative and focus on the positive. And like I said, try to be uh, an example for others to follow and try to be a pillar in my family and in my community. You know, um, I think you have succeeded um, in becoming a role model for people, military people who went through uh, similar types of circumstances. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work with uh, Wounded Warrior Project, which helps military folks who have received many times very, very serious injuries and in helping them put their lives back together again. Yeah, so I, I learned early on um, that helping other wounded guys and girls was very helpful for me. Uh, it made me feel good. Um, you know, I've experienced some really good feelings in my life and obviously some really bad ones, but helping others is what this injury has led me to. And there's no better feeling, no longer lasting 
feeling of joy than helping somebody. And I, I encourage guys that are wounded and girls, obviously, that are struggling, whether it's mental, physical, both, go find somebody else that's going through the same thing and help them. And I bet you you'll feel better. I bet you you'll learn something from them. Um, and I, it's, a, it's an infectious thing that can keep growing. Um, so, yeah, I, I've helped with Wounded Warrior Project. I've, I'm on the um, board of directors for Operation Second Chance. Uh, I help Homes for Our Troops um, in, you know, in fundraising and, been help, and have been able to speak at several large fundraisers around the country um, and help them raise you know, millions of dollars to put guys without arms and legs and that are in wheelchairs and handicapped accessible homes. And it makes me feel really good. And uh, I wish I would have known this in the hospital, that I would still have a purpose and I, I would be able to, to keep helping. But that's my, my, um, my line. I get people all the time that tell me about, you know, a young Marine that's all three or four tours and having problems or this guy or that one. And I always tell them the same thing. Get them involved. Get them to help somebody else. Get them to stop thinking about what happened to them. Get out of their own head and uh, go help somebody else. And you know what? There's a lot of that in the military. That's the whole reason we joined in the, you know, in the beginning. And uh, I think it's the secret to success. You know, um, I can personally attest on a much lower level than you, obviously, um, about the idea of feeling good in helping others. I, uh, we have a home in a small beach community, actually in New York City. And every year for the past 10 years, we host one weekend a year wounded warriors. And I'm not talking about specifically the organization, but just warriors, meaning American soldiers who have been injured and their families. We host probably about 20 families a year, and um, we provide them with water sports, all sorts of stuff. Uh, during the course of the weekend, and just getting to know these people and the kids in our community, getting to see you warriors for liberty, you you warriors for the United States of America, um, is an extremely powerful message. And it does feel good to be able to do that. I know that... um, one of the things that you do uh, in this context and perhaps in other contexts is inspirational speaking. What do you mean by that term, inspirational speaking? Well, you know, I was asked to speak a lot in college, and uh, it, it started getting, you know, in the way of my academics. And so I started asking for a small fee, and, uh, you know, the fee started growing. And I had to turn this into a business, and I wrote the book. But, you know, it's, I, I, I hate to say it's, it's inspirational. I hate to consider myself a motivational speaker. I know that sounds hypocritical. But when you get off the stage and people are crying and wanting to hug you, you know, because they maybe lost their fiancé in Vietnam or they lost a brother and, or they're going through something, I, I, it's, it's the only way to describe it. Or when you read, you know, the words that people say about you, whether it's, you know, Stan McChrystal, or you're being asked to speak at a Donald Trump rally, or whatever. It's, I guess, it's others that are, are motivated and, and inspired. For me, it's hard to get up there and tell that story. It's really hard, and I get emotional when I do it. Uh, I don't want to, but I feel like I have to tell that story because 
first of all, there's, there's men that I loved and respected that didn't make it home, and they can't tell that story. And then there's other guys that were hurt that, that just physically can't get up there and do it. So I feel like it's almost a calling, um, and I need to let the American people know, you know how hard we fight and what we're fighting for. And when we come home, you know, to see our acts demonized or to see our gains given back to the enemy and only to know that the future Americans are going to have to go fight again for the same stuff, it's, it's frustrating. So, you know, it's, I was shocked when, you know, the largest wine company in the world wanted to fly me out to Napa and speak to their top marketing people, but they heard that I had a good story, and marketing is all about telling stories. You know, I was, I was shocked when a pharmaceutical company wanted me to come and talk to their top salespeople. Well, you know, every time they make their quota, they up it, and they, they feel sorry for themselves. So I tell them a little bit about, you know, what it's like to work seven days a week, 20 hours a day for, you know, 20 grand, and your life's on the line. And I tell them about pride and all the things, the honor and work ethic and love and all the stuff and, and leading and, you know, the privilege it was to do all those things. And I tell you, they go out of there and go, you know what, my life's not so bad. I can do this. And I, I, that's, a lot of, that's a lot about inspiring others. And I'll be honest, I, I can't get through any day of, of the year without being inspired by somebody, like a child, by seeing somebody hurt worse than me that's smiling. You know, I'm easily inspired, and uh, I guess people who hear my story are as well. Well, I have to say, just listening to you now, um, I can understand how you can inspire others with your story and I think most importantly by your sincerity. And I just want to make a little pitch here or something for our people to look at just for your information um, as well as for those who are new to Secure America Now. We're over 3.5 million people, Americans, who care about national security, security, who support our military and recognize the sacrifices that they make every single day for our country. And my little pitch is going to be that we're going to be conducting a raffle, and uh, the prize of the raffle is going to be blasted by adversity, copies of your book. And I recommend that people who win the raffle read the book, but I also recommend others to read the book because we live, unfortunately, in, in an era and in a society where negative news hits us every single day. And it doesn't surprise me that major firms and that colleges, and I, I do want to ask you about your college experiences, um, in terms of speaking to them, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that people want to hear uh, positive things, that you can stand up to adversity and actually succeed. When you speak at college campuses, and I'm going to preface this by saying we hear so many negative things about what's going on on college campuses, what type of reception have you gotten? Well, I, I, I try to stay out of uh, the weeds, and I try not to uh, obviously offend um, the youth or the academia types that, that might bring me in. Um, and I, I know you don't want to hear that, but I, I tell them the truth. I tell them, you know, why I did what I did, why I joined, where this love 
of this country comes from. And I try to explain to them how much humility somebody like me has and, and realizes that I am merely a pimple on the American military history. Um, I mean, I'm nothing. And I'm trying to stand for something greater than myself, and that's all we were doing. And, you know, I tell them the stories that they've never heard. Um, I, I tell them, you know, I just try to put in them a little bit of what's in me. And to be honest, I haven't been asked to go to Berkeley or any of these places that uh, obviously don't like people who lean to the right. But the response has been unbelievable. The, 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 the students stand up and cheer. Um, you know, the professors, they, 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 they smile out of the corner of their mouth. They're, they're usually blown away, but I know they don't, they don't vote the way I vote. They don't feel the way I feel. Um, but I, I tell you, it's mostly positive. And, of course, you would never see that on the news. And believe it or not, there are college students out there that are very focused, very disciplined, very regimented, very religious, uh, big-time leadership qualities. Uh, the, the shape of, of the United States is in good hands. It really is. You'd never see that on CNN. I apologize for the dog barking, but that's my, that's my Abigail in the background. Um, but, yeah, you would never see this, this on, uh, on the news. So. Well, you know, uh, one of the reasons why we founded Secure America Now, and besides national security, I had a very strong feeling and a very strong concern about the divisions in our country. They had gone beyond civil divisions, and people had different points of view, and they were literally splitting our country. And national security happens to be the set of issues that a majority of Americans, left and right, actually agree on. Over 70% of Americans agree on almost every national security issue. There are a few loudmouths who are huge critics, but there are also critics of our country, and we're not going to win them all. And uh, so our platform, and we primarily exist on social media, Facebook being our main platform, just uh, go to Facebook and plug in Secure America Now. Um, we educate people on national security, et cetera. But it is this unity, and that's why I applaud you for not believing what the fake news media <laughs> gives us on a regular basis, and going out there and speaking to people and actually sharing your points of view. Because I guarantee you, your, pure, your points of view, but also your experiences, are being uh, repeated by those who hear it. And that is extremely important. I encourage you to keep on doing that. Can I just ask you about an issue that made some news, and I suspect it's going to make more news, for your views on President Trump's belief or his testing the waters as to whether or not that the United States should sponsor a military parade. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's uh, quite simple. And I think I see where he's going with that. I haven't heard anybody um, talk about it. 
And, of course, I heard the left uh, complain about, you know, this isn't North Korea or whatever. And, of course, I, their analogies were ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I, I obviously also know that, you know, Abram tanks really can't drive down the road without tearing it up. Um, and there is lots of our military that obviously is the same way. A lot of our planes are too heavy for runways. A lot of our our vehicles are decide are you know are designed to be off road and, and and tear things up. So I saw that side of it why they wouldn't want to do that, but they missed they missed the underlying um, the biggest tone that Trump was trying to get at, and that's that's national pride. I mean, we we went through eight years of of believing we're not exceptional. We went through eight years of bowing to other countries that have, have done terrible things and do not have, have the track record of, of the United States of America. And we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. No entity, no business, no country. But we're the closest dang thing to perfect that there is. And I think that Donald Trump was really, President Trump, excuse me, was, was really trying to get at just national pride. We need to get that back. I mean, we can't have our athletes kneeling. We can't have all these victims. We can't, you know, we need to be proud. We are the greatest, um, you know, nation in the world. And we, we, it's okay to act like it. It's okay to smile and help others, but we don't bow to anybody. We don't owe anybody nothing. And it's time that Americans as a whole love their country and believe that it's greater than they are. Well, you know, um what you're saying is something that we believe, and um, warts and all was still the greatest. And uh, but not just we contribute to the world in a very positive way. And my initial reaction to the um, proposed parade was similar to your reaction, not as technical that it'll tear up the roads, then again, Donald Trump is proposing an infrastructure program <laughs> they can fix them after they tear them up. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if that went through his head. That might but, be part of the plan, too. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but it was also the sense of national pride. I mean, I'm a student of history, and, um, and I know how many military parades this country has in fact sponsored over the years. And from everything from Douglas MacArthur marching up um, Wall Street uh, and to a ticker tape parade, to John Glenn, to, well, it goes on and on. It goes back to after the Civil War where both uh, Confederates and Union veterans marched. And, uh, and of course, on the 4th of July, we do military, and I put that in quote, parades all over this country. And, um, and I, like you, came to the conclusion that what they're missing is something that the news media missed, <laughs> that everyone missed in 2016, which was that there is a pride that people have in their country. And you certainly have paid a price uh, for living that particular dream and that mission of the United States. I would like to ask you one other question before I know you have a busy schedule, but I would like to know if you have any views on veterans running for 
offices, public offices, whether on the local level, whether in Congress. I know congressionally there are a lot of veterans who have entered the political system, and I'll, I'll tip my hand. I think overall they are great. Actually, in, in your world of Florida, um, you, have, um, you have a veteran running for governor who I've gotten to know, and Ron DeSantis, who is just a fantastic, fantastic guy, and a lot of that comes from his experiences fighting for our country. Do you have any views on that? Well, of course I do. Uh, I don't think veterans are better suited to run for office than anyone else, but I would say that they are selfless people. They're people who believe um, in a greater cause. They could see, you know, the, the long, hard road ahead. I think they're less likely to, to be self-serving and more likely to serve like they once did. Um, I'd love to see more people uh, like Brian Mast. You know, I hated seeing Colonel, uh, Colonel Alan West booted out of Congress. That man, what a genius. Uh, what a great, great role model for all Americans. But, you know, people tell me all the time, because I'm passionate about politics and even considered running myself. In fact, Brian Mast, he is the congressman of my home district, and I'm proud that he's down there doing that. I hope he does a good job. Uh, I don't know where he stands on the issues today. I don't follow it uh, that closely. I'm, I, I do follow politics daily. I just don't know what's going on down there. But what people always try to tell me is it's nasty. It's a blood sport. It's, it's disgusting. Why would you want to get involved in that? And I look at them and say, don't you know my background? You don't think war is nasty? I mean, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm willing to go up there and fight, and so are other veterans. And I'm sorry. You know, California liberal policies don't help people in North Florida or South Georgia where I live. And uh, I just, I, we need people that aren't afraid to get up there and speak their mind and take on the establishment. And, you know, veterans are, are that way. I know we do have some veterans up there like John McCain that I believe have, have become a little tone deaf. And then you've got veterans like John Kerry who are, you know, in my opinion, worthless and liars. Um, so we need new blood up there. We need new veterans that are up there for the right reasons. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I don't want to see a majority of representatives being veterans, but I would love to see a better representation of veterans um, legislating for our country. Well, beautifully stated, Luke. Um, again, I want to wish you all the best, and God bless you and your family for all that you're giving back to this country and um, continue to stay active um, in sharing your experiences. I love the time that we have spent on the phone. I look forward to meeting you in person sometime in the near future. So um, we have been speaking to Luke Murphy, who is the author of a memoir called Blasted by Adversity. And uh, as I said, we're going to be raffling off copies of the book. Uh, I also urge people to go out and buy the book. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day in speaking with us. Well, Alan, you know, I'm never too busy to talk to you or uh, speak to this great country. So thank you for this opportunity. And, folks, if you want to hear more about me, you can go to LukeMurphy101.com. 
But it's been a pleasure and a privilege to speak to everyone here today. And uh, God bless you. God bless America. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org.